Meanwhile, I'm looking for a great warrior. Wars <laughs> not make one great. <laughs> wow, this place is great. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. All right, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, I am I am Andy Wilson. Welcome to the Hall of Greatness. Uh, welcome, JB. Thank you, good sir. It's good to always get to hear your voice and spend time talking about things that we perceive as great or less than great with you. Or or things that that are great. We'll we'll get into that. This is this is the first yeah. episode. The yeah the the pilot episode, as it were. We're gonna try and figure out how this how this works. And so excuse us as uh, things are gonna be a, a little little weird as we're figuring everything out. Um, let's. Uh, but but this is the hall of greatness, and we want to talk about things that are great. Uh, this came out of a discussion that JB and I had a year ago now where uh, I was complaining about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees last year. Uh, specifically, Depeche Mode was nominated and inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, are they really a rock and roll band? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Depeche Mode, they're they're great. Uh, like, where would you put them of like top whatever artists of all time? Like, well, where, where do you think of? Them? I mean, obviously, you and I've discussed this. They're they're easily one of my top three, mm-hmm. probably along with like more Chiba and the Ink Spots, which shows you what mm-hmm. kind of taste I have in music. Uh, yeah, not consistent, but I, I I do. I remember the discussion being, why is that the only place? that a band like that can go considering right. the label may not be accurate. And I know labeling is, is dangerous and we'll talk about that in later podcasts, I'm sure. But, uh, right. your point of, first of all, does there need to be a hall of fame? But second, why such a specific component, um, which causes people so much consternation in, well, I don't know if that qualifies or, or those kinds of things. Right. It was, it was a really interesting discussion that we had about it. So uh, right. I, I agree. I think that was the impetus for this to say, hey, there's lots of great things. And we'll talk about that. Lots of great ways you can define greatness. But but what does that entail? What does that mean for us as we go about making decisions and daily life? And that kind right. Of yeah, and and I'd I'd put I mean my I feel like my top ten is constantly changing, but they'd be somewhere in the top ten, if not top five. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Depeche Mode. We're, we'll eventually have to have a an entire episode devoted to Depeche Mode, and maybe we'll have to break it up into like three different eras, and then another one for remixes because there's just so much there. Yeah, uh, the hitting the pipe was, era, I can always. Make sure and only have a minor influence with, but I I, I did like construction time again, uh, in the sense that it made me actually want to do construction. So there's something to be said for that. That's that's pretty good. That that East End remix, it, you, you know, it, it makes me makes me feel like I, I need to be out on the freeway getting getting honked at, <laughs> right? <laughs> but 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 Depeche Mode is great. Do they belong in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't know, but. What so? What if, what if we had a hall devoted to all great things, and within this hall there are different areas, different rooms, and we just talk about the things that are great, right. and we induct things into it that are great, and so what would that look like? Well. I mean, it, to in, in a certain extent, it's it's kind of subjective. On the other hand, I think there are some objective traits that we could come down to of, you know, what what exactly makes something great, and um, what you know, how would we how would we classify all of that? But as the more and more that I thought about this, I thought about you know what. Well, first of all, I think we have to start this from a place of the world kind of sucks right now, <laughs> right? Um, 
And it's very easy to get caught up in that mire of negativity and just bitch about how everything is. Yeah, this is an echo chamber going on for sure. Right. And and, and so we'll let's let's build ourselves a a mind palace, a someplace where we can go, where we can, you know, think about things and say, like, you know, yeah, there's a lot of bad going on in the world, but we can also celebrate things that are good. And, uh, you know, I've had other podcasts and, and they've, some of them have done well, some of them have done less well. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what, what is it that people really love? Right. Um, first, I think people love great things, yeah. however they define that. What, right. I don't know, what, what sort of great things do you think of as what, what people love? Well, I, I mean, you look at, you look at the essence of, of greatness in people's lives. I think people would look around and say, Oh my, I have a great pet. I have great children. I'm, mm-hmm. I think my opinions are great. I think my sports team is great. I think mm-hmm. my car is probably great. Uh, I, I think you could even, and we, we talk about this socioculturally. I mean, even my political views or my religious institution, those right. kinds of things I would per- possibly perceive as great. I think it's interesting because you and I had some notes about our, us as individuals being great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today's society makes me wonder, and again, this is, this could get into an existential conversation, which, which we can save for later. But I wonder if the problem with the world is we don't necessarily think we and our relationships with ourselves or people that we value are great. And we spend our time thinking objective things are great. And that's why we have so many existential struggles and uh, echo chambers is because we're not seeing the true value, which is what you and I are trying to do with, with this podcast and, and the content in general is get people back to the perception of there's a lot of little things about not only my, our own lives, but ourselves that are great. And we don't have to get pulled in so many political strings and subconscious motivations that other people give us to realize mm-hmm. that we are, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, coming out of divorce and coming out of getting laid off. It's, it's really interesting to have to kind of rebuild your self-concept uh, right, because a lot of as as you know, when you have wife and children and responsibilities, that becomes sort of your your schema. And I think when right. you, when you lose a lot of that, you really have to go back to finding okay, what is it about an individual that makes them great? And I think that's what's exciting about this podcast. Again, we're going to be flippant with some of the great things, like um, you know, I I think there are some like the private press is a great DJ shadow album where some people will disagree and back and forth. But I think inherent in that is, is can we build foundation where we're all comfortable going? We can talk about great things because we're also comfortable being great ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we'll talk about Aristotle later with, you know, the, the spectrums and the mean, uh, of, of what great is. Um, And that's an exciting Mm -hmm. part because I think the, there, there's a there's an easy way to be great without having to toot our own horn and, and having to play the overwhelmingly humble card. That's going to be fun to talk about over time with this. Um, depending, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm great at being humble. You, I'm you, one you of are. the most humble you're, people. You're actually <laughs> the best overwhelmingly humble person I've I've ever met. I'm I'm almost as humble as Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's you know, how humble. Also I am. with uh, slightly less body paint. I think, but and and slightly more body fat. Than <laughs> You're also fat. worse with knives, um, based uh, on very much based worse. on your 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 cooking, uh, where you where you fit in that echelon. But 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 no, I, I think and and let me kick that back to you because I think you know one of the biggest struggles for me has been to figure out what is great in a very small microcosm. I mean, for me, it's pretty easy to go outside and and say, well, that's great, and that looks great, and the sunset is great, and this mountain is great, and that flashy car is great, but it was much harder to figure out internally what that means. So I could bring a better perspective to this. Uh, what have you found in greatness that, um, that highlights, I mean, you work in a much more political uh, arena than I do, which I think right. makes your day more frustrating. So 
Uh, what do you think? It is. Yeah. Well, it, I th- I think one of the things that that you mentioned that's so interesting here is, you know, you're talking about the individual, and I I feel like there is this tension between modernity and individualism. Okay. And we we our modern world very much tells us that the individual is the basis of society, but yet we come out of a you know, a hunter gatherer, uh, tribal system that existed for tens of thousands of years before we had a worldwide culture where the group was more important. And that was, you know, traditional culture. And what I see a lot of is that the things that we think of as greatness become our new tribes. Okay. And so we uh, we self-identify as a way to cut through the mayhem of, of modernity. And we say, I am a Star Wars fan. Right. That is my tribe. Okay. I am a Mormon. I am a Catholic. I am an atheist. Uh, I am a Chevy person. I am a Ford person. Uh, you know, and and we we identify as those things, and and nowhere is that more apparent than in the world of politics, right? Where our tribe are Republicans or Democrats, specifically Trump Republicans or progressive Democrats, Bernie Sanders, socialist Democrats, and 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 so it becomes very hard, I think, especially as we discuss, like, oh, this is great this isn't great because we create a lot of schisms within these groups um, just because we, we don't like something and we say that isn't for me. And we, we sort of dehumanize each other over it, which is, which is really, you know, one of the most frustrating things about all of this, because, you know, if I sit down in a room with a group of star Wars fans, as we record this, uh, it's, it's May the 5th. So yesterday was, May the 4th, the Star Wars holiday, right? Right. And, you know, um, I had the temerity to uh, to quote a line from uh, The Last Jedi, uh, where Rose Tico is like, this is how we win. Uh, we fight for the things we love, not fighting against the things that we hate. Right. And um, someone's like, you know, The Last Jedi was really divisive, and I think that's going to make a lot of fans angry. And I'm like, it's it's just a movie (laughs) like you know i i and and i feel like if i could sit down with other people it's like well this is a great like discussion for you and me jb like i kind of like the star wars prequels i'm not a huge fan of them i know you i you really hate them which the phantom menace ones yeah oh yeah oh yeah uh yeah and yeah but but that doesn't impede our friendship, no. like at all. No, we'll just watch something we agree on, <laughs> right? Without midichlorian, <laughs> and, and I'm one hundred percent non midichlorian. If if that's okay with you, that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and and we're totally cool with that, yeah. and and we don't have to like break out the knives and be like, oh my god, you're a terrible person because you like the the prequels and and you don't and And let me you know let me jump in on this though because this is I was actually gonna ask you this when when you were talking about that. Here's here's the question that I would ask based on that because like you mentioned, we we identify with these tribes and if we don't stick up for the tribe, uh, Mm -hmm. almost like it invalidates who we are. And right. you and I, I think, are are different because I, I have tribes, but I'm not. That's not who I am. So, like, mm-hmm. if I were to ask you a question, what are the great values of Andy Wilson? What would you say they are? Like, what's the first two or three things that pop into your mind? Uh, you know, something about like, like, like equality, equanimity, like. Everyone has value. What, what's the word for that? I'm, I like I'm, so you let people be who they are with their own intrinsic value, right? Okay, you you are very respectful of people's opinions. Um, I think you're, you're, sometimes, yeah. Well, I think you're you're probably yeah. sensitive to a point, but yeah, 
I think it's really interesting because, you know, it, I mean, obviously I picked some of yours, but uh, just because I know you so well. But I, I think I wonder if the difficulty with greatness is when you ask people who they are, like you said, I'm a Star Wars fan. I am a this, I'm a that. It's not, I have a good heart or, um, mm. you know, I, I try to take care of puppies and kittens or I, I, I serve, I try to serve my community as much as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if to your point, if we recognized inherent greatness, which again, I hope we get to throughout the, the years we do this podcast, uh, people will start to see that there are, I mean, we can talk about greatness in objective things, but there is that inherent greatness to represent uh, that that pulls us away from having to argue about everything. You know, right. like you and I have relatively similar political views, but if we didn't, that didn't mean we couldn't be friends because that doesn't define a who we are as people necessarily and b who we are as friends. Right. Um, and I think we are at a specific time in history where that is really tearing at people. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of it is probably a lot of us talking past one another Mm -hmm. and, you know, and also, you know, um, as the old songs go, uh, battle lines being drawn, nobody's right. If everybody's wrong, uh, (laughs) a song that you and I both love for, for a lot of reasons, but, uh, in fact, don't, don't try to sing that at nine in the morning. That's what I learned. Uh, right. Past band career. Yeah. My fault. Right. Yeah. So, uh, the, um, the, the thing about that is, you know, we, we draw these battle lines and we, we've made a moral judgment that like Donald Trump is so heinous that if you support him, there must be something wrong with you. Right. And insert the same for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, that, that there, that be like, we really internalized so much of what happened in the last election. And I feel like it's fundamentally changed a lot of things about how we, how we do things and how we, how we feel things. It used to be, you know, Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan would go get drinks after, you know, uh, they'd go have cocktail hour when they were done fighting about stuff between Congress and uh, and the presidency in the 80s. And it was like, yeah, we're professionally different, but like personally OK with one another. And, uh, you know, that's we've lost a lot of that. And I, I hope at some point we can get back to it. But I also feel like at the same time, I don't want to like um, I want to be very clear that there are for me things that I do find morally troubling about um, some issues of Trump conservatism. But that doesn't mean that everyone who subscribes to every part of that platform is a morally bad person. I'm not going to sit in judgment of that, but I am like, I'll be honest about my biases. I'm I'm going to be suspect of that because I, I just, I don't see, I see it as such a huge moral issue that it, it would be hard for me to come up with that. Well, it's something we've got to work. Yeah. And I think that from, from an ethical standpoint too, what, what happens. And I remember the, the rally to restore sanity where John Stewart talks about the, the, the bell curve. And Mm -hmm. the biggest problem is the middle 80% are just trying to feed their kids and go to work and live their lives. And the 10% on either side get all the airtime because they're the loudest. And in a lot of ways they don't have anything else to do. And Right. I think that's that's the difficulty when you're talking about the political spectrum is in a lot of cases, no matter which side that 10 percent is on a lot of unethical dealings on, on which mm-hmm. side, you know, the removal of autonomy and the 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 ignorance towards a categorical imperative or even utility where you're taking away the ability to provide the greatest happiness because of self-interest. But you're also using self-interest to you know, invalidate universal laws, which everybody would want to see. I mean, just as two examples. And I I think that's the troubling thing on both ends of the political spectrum is we're, we're using morality. We're using self-interest in, in the name of deities and dollars and these kinds of things to strip ethics away ever so subtly. Um, 
Uh-huh. And in some ways, not so subtle. Well, I, I, but yes. that's the difference in, in this current climate than before is it's now acceptable to be overt about right. what you want to strip away. And I think that's, right. that's what's so disappointing about the greatness of who we are as humanity. I mean, it has also brought forth a much greater perspective uh, uh, for people in the sense that people are now more community mobilized. They're more, I think, fiscally active towards causes they care about mm-hmm. but i think it, it's too bad it had to be brought about by such interesting means and by interesting i mean uh, I, I don't think necessarily the way that an ethicist or a moralist would have wanted people to be more active right um, in in some ways it's really revolutionary and maybe you know we'll all look back on this in 30 years and be like wow you know what thank god for the election of 2016 because, you know, everybody started caring about democracy again and got really active. And, you know, and now we've come to a place that is much better in a lot of ways. And uh, we were able to get through that. Um, you know, I, I think like in it, it goes back to something that, that I would view as great, uh, that that old episode of Star Trek, um, City on the Edge of Forever. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Spock says, no, Edith Keeler must die because if she doesn't, World War II never happens. Well, that seems like a great thing. Like, wouldn't it be great? And it's like, no, there's actually like a as horrible as World War II was, humanity kind of turned a corner in some ways. Uh, in some ways, we are now seeing not. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know, but said, you know, that there's a certain amount of depravity that we won't tolerate anymore. And um, I think part of what's happened is we've forgotten some of that. And so we have this sort of light version of that and we're trying to react to it and trying to uh, trying to restore that. So uh, we'll we'll we will like, could I could I turn back time and change the election of 2016 it's like well maybe we like maybe the world turns out better having gone through a trump presidency than if it had gone through a clinton presidency because in a clinton presidency it would be same old same old you know and you know there right now we live in a time where things that are possibly revolutionary could possibly come to you know come come about so I don't know. Well, we've we've gone like way far afield from where I, I first started thinking about this. But well, and, and I don't know if you want to tie a bow on that before. Well, we let me on. let me go back to this because I think you raised an interesting point. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and no, I never mind tangential thinking. I mean, obviously, you've known me long enough to know that's kind of the way I think my students would right. probably agree. Uh, I think the interesting point is you brought up the Last Jedi. I didn't have a problem with Last Jedi because I thought it was one person's vision of what should happen in a universe that was given free reign to occur. Also right. significantly less jump cuts than J.J. Abrams, which also makes me happy. Uh, and lens flare. Yeah, please with the lens <laughs> Yeah, But what I think right. is so interesting to your point is it's almost like that had to happen to prevent the, the Star Wars universe from being static. And I'm not a Star Wars guru like you are. Right, Star Trek mm-hmm. original series is much more my my forte, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting parallel that you brought up where there are these circumstances throughout history where people feel like they have to shake the status quo. Now, I don't think some people did it on purpose. I think some people bluster their way into it when right. that happens, but I think artistically you see that everywhere, whether it's the Sex Pistols or, um, you know, John Lee Hooker or whoever it is uh, artistically, DJ Shadow who I brought up already The Cure or Depeche Mode, I mean there's all these uh, instances where someone comes in and says it would be great to shake up the status quo and even if they do it poorly or talentlessly sometimes that sticks and sometimes even though like you said it goes through all these cycles of depression and Kubler-Ross's five stages and I mean, mm-hmm. I remember multiple discussions with you about Last Jedi where you and your colleagues had, I mean, you know, there's anger and grief and depression and finally there's bargaining and 
like, oh, maybe it's just setting something up better for the third one and blah, 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 blah. And then finally everyone just gets on with their life, right? Now, right. in the political spectrum, that's obviously more difficult because the things that are happening are affecting us long term. So I don't want to be flippant about saying that there needs to be an acceptance other than we just have to accept that this is what's going on. If people aren't happy with it, go out and fix it, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. a lot, um, you know, in our in our parent come not just in the, the podcast, but in in civics and critical thinking, those kinds of things, which I'm really excited about you and I doing. But uh, right. I think that's an interesting parallel where part of of greatness is um, having a, a positive ethically oriented mindset to change something for the better or to change something that isn't working for you um, artistically and, and maybe culturally but but also as a, a populace we accept and try to make it great no matter what happened right and I think that's, and, that second part is what you and I really want to focus on which is we may not be able to make things great outside of maybe a microcosm but we can certainly talk about hey, this is just what's happening. Don't forget what's great around you um, and focus on that. Right. And and so as as this this idea, you know, similar to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be too grandiose here, but the same idea of Socrates building the city that is based on justice in in Plato's Republic. Right. And a sort of mental exercise. So if we're building a hall of greatness, we ask ourselves, what, what is great? What do people love? Right. And you know, we talked about these great things. I think other things that people really, really love, they love arguing. They love lists. Right. They love arguing about lists. Especially that. <laughs> uh, you know, this is this is one of those things of, of clickbait. Um that I, I don't know if people listening to this know, but uh, you know those BuzzFeed listicles, eleven things that we love about the Gilmore Girls or whatever, uh, the the top five moments from uh, from Avengers: Infinity Wars, um, those are socially engineered yeah. <laughs> to get you to go and read them, and and to make you angry and react to them because the secret of all of those lists. They always leave one really obvious one off so that you go into the comments and like type up. You guys are so wrong. I can't believe you forgot about this one. Blah, 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 blah. What about that time when the whole blah, 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 blah. And because that gets these outlets what they want, which is people reading their article, sharing their article, commenting on the article. And uh, and then we move on with our day. Uh, but people love ranking things and they love arguing about them and so i i think we should just lean into that yeah and uh and and talk about these things like so if we're gonna talk about what who are the 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 five greatest punk bands of all times let's let's talk about that let's argue about that and let's have fun and challenge each other on our notions because i think in uh, one of the things that the values that I think we've lost is the ability to challenge one another and and sharpen our ideas by going up against equally good opposing ideas. Um, we've lost the ability to do that in in our civic culture. And I, I want to kind of bring that back. And I hope that this serves as a model where we can argue about stuff. But no love is lost. Well, and I think and- I think you even want to take a step back. And it's funny that in our culture we have to use the word argue because I don't think that that's mm-hmm. a word that friends use. Like I've I can't think of a time where I have argued um, with a friend because I don't I don't know that that is a word that has a positive connotation of debate. I mean, I'm sure my I'm sure yes, my friends can. would. I am in and say, no, you argued with me about X, Y, and Z. And, and I apologize if I forgot, but I, you know, I almost think that we even need a different word because argue already has that connotation. And I don't know if debate is the right word. I'm looking at it right now on, on thesaurus.com cheap plug. Um, wh- what, what is another word for arguing that we could bring back into the vernacular? That means I have a point, you have a point we're not, it's not the same point, but it's almost like deliberate or, you know, 
something like that. I mean, debate is the, the, the standard, but I mean, I'd like to bring back a word like deliberate where instead of us thinking about argue, which automatically has a visceral connotation of negativity, we say, all right, Andy and I are going to deliberate mm-hmm. on the five best Depeche Mode songs or, you know, the, the five greatest Star Trek original series ep- episodes, which would be a 75 hour mm-hmm. podcast. Cause, but, but I, you know, even yes, that, I and I, I think that's another, I, I agree. I think people like arguing and I think that's part of the problem because to me, arguing has no end point. Yeah. And, and uh, it has a connotation that there is a winner and a loser. Oh, that's another good point. I, I've never heard someone get into an argument and say that they felt better about it. I've heard many people get into debates or deliberations and say, I feel like I understood the other person and I know them better right. as people. Yeah. You know? And and so one of the things that I thought about is if this is a, a hall of greatness, then we are each individual curators of our own hall of greatness. And we okay. bring in the things that we love and uh, there, so if there, and if there is a discussion of to be had about whether something belongs in this curated hall, uh, that can be a personal decision, that can be a collective decision, but we can we can discuss those things, and because it is a a palace of the mind, uh, you put whatever you want in there, and and but we can all share our ideas, and hopefully we come away uh, better after after having those discussions and i know there's another piece that we'll talk about again when we do higher level stuff with critical thinking and discourse uh both within and outside of the the bounds of the podcast but one of the things that's always interesting to me is it seems really hard for humanity to have opinions about something that they don't attach personal value or attributes to Right, like like you mentioned with your with your Star Wars friends, uh, not liking the Last Jedi makes them they, like they tie in their personal value and and impetus towards how they feel exactly. about something. And and what's always been so interesting is the difficulty for someone to come in and say, "Hey, I really love Violator," and someone comes in and says, "I think Violator is terrible. How could you like that more than Speak and Spell?" Right. <laughs> And uh, bear with okay. me. <laughs> Just go with this. But the person who said, I put myself out there, I was vulnerable. And this is, you know, I know Brene Brown has done a bunch of research on this, which which has varying levels of, in, of intrigue. But it would be really interesting. And you and I, are, I think, are pretty good at it, mostly because we care about each other. And that's that's an important consideration of it. Agreed. But it would be really interesting if, if people could deliberate and say, I have a personal attachment to Violator being the best Depeche Mode album, but I'm not going to have an emotive response to it harshly if someone disagrees with me. And I think that's another thing that's happened in politics. I see this in sports all the time, Andy, and this is the thing that makes me, uh, it really boggles my mind. People get so upset about sports, and I admit I used to do that too. And then I realized I'm not playing in the game. What do I care if Team X wins the Super Bowl or loses the Super Bowl, right? Why am I so emotionally invested in something where I'm not playing? I had nothing to do with it. I didn't draft the players. I didn't practice. I didn't design the jerseys. I didn't do any of this kind of stuff. Uh, Do I still get excited about sports? Do I still want certain teams to do better than others? Sure. But I think it's so funny that people tear down lampposts and light cars on fire and at the same end, you know, punch things and throw TVs out windows. It, to me, it's just a very fascinating part of human nature where we tie so much of our self-perception and worth into something that other things right. do or inanimate objects that we don't control. So I think that's another thing I would be interested in us discussing, not necessarily for this one, but in future deliberations of what are those trigger points and what are the things where we go gosh, I'm really upset about this. Why? <laughs> right. Now, in politics, politics, I see it being different because it's it's very important for people to have feelings about legislation right. that affects them, right? Like if you want to do something to my taxes or 
change how uh, animals are treated in my zip or code. deport yeah, people I, I feel, or you know stuff that yeah, has you know yeah take away, take right. away rights of of people who've, right. who've lived here yeah i think that you you can be more involved in that and i think that's that's a more a, appropriate way i think ethically to to have uh heightened senses of arousal but it's so interesting to me that people walk out of movies and they throw stuff or the sporting events and um, I think that's that's that interesting line that maybe we can discuss down the road of I wonder why that right. happens. Um, what is it about us culturally that we put so much of who we are as like to your point, like I'm a Star Wars fan or I'm a I'm a Dolphins fan or I'm a Yankees fan. And and if that if that isn't satisfied by a victory, then, you know, what's it right. all worth? Yeah, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's it's so interesting that we keep coming back to individuals and and us as individuals. And I mean, us as like in the broad uh, societal sense. But you know, let's talk about us as individuals, as ourselves and, and who we are, because uh, for, for most people listening to this, I mean, maybe the first group of people listening to this first episode are mostly our, our friends and family who do know us. But Hopefully, eventually, this gets passed on to other people, uh, and I let, let, let's get to know each other. I'm getting to know you, fireside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you, you want you want to go first? You want me to go first? Well, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you go ahead? All right. So, uh, I'm Andy Wilson, uh, and uh, I live in Austin, Texas. I have a wife and two kids, and. Uh, I work as a digital manager for the Sierra Club, which is a, uh, a big green nonprofit uh, doing environmental work. And as digital manager, I am one of those people. Well, I manage a group of people and we're the people who send you those emails that, that you get in your inbox if you're on your oh, list. Or, okay. Ah, we're, we're those. And uh and we do our social media and uh, all sorts of bunch of stuff. Um, so our work is very political. Uh, we do a lot of political stuff. Uh, anything right now having to do with like the EPA and Scott Pruitt, like we are all over that. Uh, but we've done a done a bunch of other things. Um, and how I got here, I've spent about ten years in the nonprofit world, and before that. Uh, I worked at uh, I worked at a couple of different political consulting firms. I was a pollster for a while, uh, for just like a hot minute. Um, but that was kind of my background. Uh, I got a, a master's degree in elections and campaign management from Fordham University in New York, and uh, that's essentially like how to run a nonprofit or how to be a political consultant. Um, and it was a good mix of like you know, uh, public policy, political science, and uh, practi practical, like, here's how you win a campaign, here's how wow. you run a nonprofit sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, and I, I, and then I got a bachelor's degree from political in political science from Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, uh, where I also went to high school, which was where I met JB. Correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> now let me let me ask a, a follow up question because I don't actually know mm -hmm. how you got into podcasting. Oh, um, well, I've always been fascinated with the radio. Here's a fun story. I don't think you know this about me. When I was in fourth grade, I ran away from school for a day. Oh, and you know, most kids, the story used to be you run off and join the circus. Right. That's not what I wanted to do. I ran away to WAVA radio in Washington, D.C. Wow. Uh, and to their studios. Uh, they were the home of Don and Mike in the morning. Um, they eventually became a big syndicated uh, morning show. But I really wanted to work in radio. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. And uh, even as a fourth grader, so I'm like, um, F this school. I'm so sick of this little hole that I'm in. I'm going to go and I'm going to get a job working on the radio and uh, go be a go like work for these morning DJs. Wow. And the nice receptionist lady is like, we really only hire people who have college degrees in <laughs> things like communications. 
<laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to go back to school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, and and I've always wanted to uh, to do that. And, um, you know, growing up, uh, I listened to a, a show in, in Utah called Radio From Hell and eventually became friends with uh, uh, Mr. Kerry Jackson and Mr. Bill Allred, who uh, did that show. Uh, about 10 years ago, Kerry started a podcast called Geek Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, this is so cool. And... Um, and I'm like, you know, I, I could do this. I could, I could set up my own thing and, uh, start doing podcasting. Um, I was working with a, with a local blog and was like, I, I could do this and I could do this better than most of the other people that I know. And so I, I started doing it and, um, yeah, that's, that's where we are. Nice. Yeah. I did not know that. I also did not remember where you got your master's degree from. So yeah, so well, that's great. Andy and I did meet in in high school. We both grew up in Provo. Uh, we we found that don't judge us. Don't judge us. Yes, <laughs> we, we we're both okay. Uh, we we actually were in a band together, and we'll be in a band in the future once I actually start getting my stuff recorded. Uh, we are in a band that started. With the basement, uh, with a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine named Jim Tracy, who I still talk to all the time because he still lives by me. Uh, And then we formed a band called Waiting for Godot, which was an homage to one of our favorite plays. Still Mm -hmm. is. Still will probably be a side project Andy and I do uh, that will go nowhere or have nothing to do with it because that's the whole point of the play. Uh, It will never show up, just like the titular character. Uh, and, and and there was a brief period for like two months when I was like, no, we are Roger the Shrubber. <laughs> that was that was our name for like a, that was a very rough, rough two months in our in our life. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We, we you know, it just didn't look as good on the on the Arby's poster as. No, as it did not. Did. Uh, so I live in I still live in Utah. I live in Sandy, Utah, uh, because I can't get away from the mountains. Uh, I love I love hiking and uh, and playing softball and, and being up there. I am a senior strategy director for a contract research organization. So pharmaceutical companies very rarely run their own trials. They like to bid them out. So my job is to create strategy, work with medical teams, uh, set up where the, the trials should be run, you know, understand all of the as, as many of the ins and outs as we can to make sure the study gets run effectively so we can uh, bring more efficient drugs to market. So uh, I try to avoid the political side of that and just focus on the science and know that I'm I'm trying to do some good. I also teach uh, administration and marketing classes at the University of Utah um, while I'm working on my PhD, which hopefully by the seventh or eighth podcast I'll be done with, but we'll see. Uh, I also, Andy and I play a, lo- a lot of instruments um, so I play four. I'm working you on do. cello. Eh. Wow. Well, Andy still does. Don't let him fool you. Uh, but I'm working on I'm working on an album right now. We've got about 25 or 30 songs. I need to start recording. Uh, I'm working with a couple not for profits as well because I I'm like Andy and, and love the not for profit world. Um, I I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. Uh, I don't have a wife or any children at this moment. So. Uh, just hey, yeah, <laughs> most of spending my time uh, debating philosophical and and psychological constructs. But uh, no, this is this has been something I've I've wanted to do for years. Andy and I, Andy's one of my closest friends. You you always have been, uh, and I think that will come across in our discussions. Is is not just that that we care a lot about humanity, but we we care a lot about each other, and uh, and that makes it a lot more fun to to have these discussions. Uh, long term, my one. Goal I love is, you, man. Oh, stop! <laughs> and I, I mean that. I, I said that like funnily, but we really I do mean that sincerely. Uh, well, that's true. We are big fans of each other, and what, what's been so interesting is we both started in the same place, uh, and we took these weird routes uh, where we really didn't have the same mindset. We thought the same. We just came about it very different ways. You know, you went the political right. not-for-profit route. I went this really weird academic small business, large business, health care kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. 
the thing I think I want to get out of this obviously is is a more positive uh, sense of discourse, civics, um, but but overall a, a fun way to to bring in people um, to to kind of an open forum of, of what things are great, uh, what things we could be focusing on, like you said at the beginning. But uh, I, I just I'm really excited to to get to spend more time with you and um, things we did when we were 17 and 18 that we can now do 20 to 25 years later. So that's right. really neat. Right. And well, and what I would really like to get out of this is to really stroke my ego and have a bunch of people listen to me there because I have a microphone and you will listen to what I say. No, that's it. <laughs> really that would, not. Really. That, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. But but more, I, I mean, I, I come at this with the Spider-Man feeling that with great power comes great responsibility. And I feel like you and I both have a very strong intellectual and ethical skills and I want us to have a place to talk about these things and I want to build this forum that uh, that we're just lacking and and I want people to be able to build on this I also want this to be a, an inclusive space um, you know we're a, we're a couple of middle-aged white guys and uh, and and that's and that's okay that's who we are and uh, I'm not going to run from from my own identity, but uh, you know I'd like this to be a platform for everyone. And so, if you uh, you know, no matter who you are, I, I want you in this space, and I, I want this to be a place where everyone can can talk about things. Um, I'm also going to use this as a platform to teach my kids um, because um, you know this is next level stuff. Uh, there are no classes to teach kids how to use YouTube, uh, how to do podcasts. And yet that is a career that someone could have these days. And uh, I want to try and start teaching them those skills. So eventually you're going to get uh, some podcasts where it's my kids talking about why they love the video game Undertale or Five Nights at Freddy's, or they're going to review a movie that they really liked or something like that. And uh, that's, uh, that's what I want this to be, but I want this to be, you know, I, I really truly mean this. I want us to have a space where we discuss the things that are great and greatness and, uh, and, and build those halls for ourselves and, uh, and share those things that we love with the people that we love. Wow. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And I think that the other nice thing that you and I both have is, the, the the podcast is just a small portion of it. Um, I mean, right. You and I will blog. Uh, we'll, there will be likely educational components that we'll try to work with local high schools about, you know, bringing right. that positive level of influence um, in, in critical thinking and um, deliberations and, and those kinds of things. I mean, that's, that's the stuff that makes hopefully that that at least plants the seed for for some of these kids in the next generation to go oh it's not just uh, i have to do whatever social media tells me or whatever right. gets me the most clicks it's really that i can sit back and and spend time uh, thinking about what kind of person do i want to be and and what do i want to pay attention to and um do i believe everything i hear on, on at first or you know can i listen to my to my gut and intuition and fact and um and really find my place in the world and again none of none of us are going to do that 100 percent of the time with 100 percent of the people but even if there's one or two people that i always tease my students i say you're only going to remember five five things from this entire class so make sure you remember the five things that are going to be most important to you uh, right and i think you and i have the same mindset now there may only be a, a few people or a few things that get through but uh, hopefully we can make them really valuable. But, but I mean, those are lofty goals. We're still going to talk about silly stuff. Uh, we're still going to spend a lot of time going on about Star Trek and Star Wars and, you know, yep. bass lines and cheesy <laughs> piano ads to, to songs that we like. But, but yeah, I, th I think that's both of our overarching goals. So uh, I, I'm excited to, to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've already started like uh, talking about like the next, 10 episodes and we've got oh my gosh there's so much in here uh you know from talking about live music 
to uh, grunge rock, Star Trek casts, uh, villains and dictators, um, the worst government job. That's going to be we're gonna, We are going to be great. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> that's a fun one. When we get there, that's going to be great. Uh, so, uh, so stick around. Um, uh, we're going to come back with a next episode again devoted to greatness and what what makes something great. How do we determine what greatness is? And so uh, that that will be our next episode. Uh, until then, I'm Andy. I'm JB. And we'll see you uh, next time until we find a better sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pretty awesome for a first one. I mean, it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right. It could have been worse. It could have been All worse. Right. That's a great sign-off. All right. I'm Andy, All right. JB, and it could have been worse. <laughs> right. See ya. All right. Meanwhile, shut this off. Shut these all up. I'm warning you, turning off these machines would be extremely hazardous. I'll tell you what's hazardous. You're facing federal prosecution for at least a half a dozen environmental violations. Now, either you shut off these beams or we shut them up for you. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. You shut that thing down and we are not going to be held responsible for whatever happens. No, we won't be. Shut it off. Hate is always foolish. Love is always wise. Always try to be nice. They never fail to be kind. Don't shut it off. I'm warning you. I, I've never seen anything like this before. I don't yeah, know. I'm not interested in your opinion. Just shut it off. Could be worse. And to make a long story short, too late. It's worse. Shut it off.